Hey everybody, I'm Katie Wright from the AV Club. And I'm Katie Penzimoog from the AV Club. And we've got Katie and Katie here today talking about Season 8, Episode 1, A Game of Thrones. Something that I was really struck by on this premiere episode were all the parallels to Season 1, Episode 1. Like the show, the story's really coming full circle and we're going back to the very beginning of it. And part of that is the episode titles, right? Yes. Uh, the very first episode of the very first Game of Thrones um, is called Winter is Coming. And this episode is called Winterfell. And mm-hmm. of course, Winter is Coming is the house motto of Family Stark, which resides at Winterfell. Do you think there's maybe a little bit of wordplay there too? Or maybe that's just where my mind goes. Is like Winter fell. That's right. It done fell. It done fell. <laughs> it's already fallen. <laughs> and the fact that winter is coming, it was uh, setting it up like so mm-hmm. many things did in the very, very first episode yeah. of the show. Um, the sigil winter is coming, or I'm sorry, the motto winter is coming is setting up the entire show. And now we have come. Winter is here. Yeah. It's here. Uh, so they can't use that motto anymore. Yeah. It's and, here. And by now, like, it's totally the culmination of all these different storylines. Like, I felt like a lot of characters who kind of the last characters who didn't meet up again in season seven Mm -hmm. are meeting up in this first episode and everything is really like set up and in motion and part of that is um you know Daenerys arriving at Winterfell with Jon Snow with Mm -hmm. the army and this is one thing where that explicitly parallels the first episode where we you have the shot of the boy that's right. Winding through the crowd and then climbing up the tree. And if I recall correctly, that is almost exactly the same shot as in the That's first right. episode. That's right, yeah. I, it's not in the very beginning of the very first episode, mm-hmm. but I think that the boy climbing was meant to have a lot of people, a lot of viewers remember the very first episode of Bran climbing up onto the tower mm-hmm. and how he's always climbing around stuff. And now there is another little boy who's climbing around Winterfell to see the procession, which also... Um, the procession is obviously uh, a callback to right. the very first episode. We see um, the Stark family lining up to greet uh, the Baratheon slash mm-hmm. Lannister family. And in this episode, we have the same reduced Stark family now uh, lining up to meet Daenerys. Yeah, and it's a homecoming in one way because Jon Snow's coming back, but he's coming back with Daenerys, mm-hmm. which is you know a really big factor in the dynamics of this episode. And another thing that I thought was interesting about that scene, and also a callback, was the way that Arya is standing in the crowd Mm -hmm. watching them go by, which is what she was doing in the very first episode. Also, like, I'm not sure if, I I don't think it's really like infantilizing her because she's really a grown woman, but it's interesting that the family dynamics of her being the youngest and the one who's kind of like, on the edges of the story is repeated Mm -hmm. this time around. Yeah, in the first episode, she's away. And in both episodes, we get the same line of one of the Stark family members asking, where's Arya? Where's Arya? Where's Arya? Lurking somewhere. And And everyone's like, oh, Arya. (laughs) In the first one, she kind of, she runs back. She has a little helmet on. And Ned is like, Arya, take that helmet off. She lines up with her family. And then, you know, eight seasons later, she's doing the same thing, but she's not, She's not hiding under a helmet. Right. She's standing up front, mm-hmm. and she doesn't go back to join her family. So she is sort of this separate entity. Like, she's part of the Stark family, but they're showing us visually that she's always been sort of separate, and now she's mm-hmm. sort of 
she's claiming that separateness because she's not greeting Daenerys with the Stark family. Yeah, but her family does accepts her separateness, and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, well, that's just Arya, that's just how she is. And, you know, when she was younger, she had this very, um, I guess, rebellious spirit mm-hmm. where, you know, she didn't want to do all the... I, remember, I, th- I think I remember in the first episode they talk about doing embroidery and yeah. Arya's so bored with it she, yeah. can, she can't handle it. She leaves to go shoot archery yeah. with the boys. Totally. Yeah. Um, and now she is also separate and kind of on the side but as this like badass assassin totally. figure. And, they, and Sansa has kind of accepted that she's a weirdo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They accept her for who she is which is at this point a creepy <laughs> assassin. Yeah. Yes. Bringer of death. So pivoting into something completely different is that we have a true throwback in this episode, uh, which is the sex position. What a season one callback. I know. So season one, uh, we meet Tyrion for the first time, and he is uh, getting his dick sucked in a brothel, (laughs) having a good time in sort of the old school Tyrion mode of things. And now... Uh, and they, they got away from that. I think there was a lot of criticism around the show. There was. I remember there being a lot of controversy about all the sex women's naked position. bodies, yes, to, to have exposition over a, a sort of sex going on in the background. Yeah, and um, they brought it back big time this time. They brought it like back. three naked women. Yes, they with like Ron. It, al- it almost felt like a, you know, a little bit, not a fuck you to the audience, but a like, remember sex position? <laughs> like, you know what? This is still Game of Thrones. We're still going to have yeah. uh, an unnecessarily long scene of a dragon flying around. Uh, just because we can. And we're also going to have some tits and s- s- brawn. Yeah. Well, he does kind of get cock blocked, but... Uh, yeah, they don't get very far, yeah. basically. It's maybe a little less gratuitous than the opening season sex position. I don't know. I thought it was. I thought having three naked ladies was extremely gratuitous. <laughs> I wasn't mad about it, but it was very <laughs> gratuitous. Um, so side note, which is not related yeah. to um, the sort of way that this episode mirrors the very first episode, um, but uh, Kyburn comes mm-hmm. in. And yes, you have a theory on yes. this, which is so. I, it didn't occur to me. My theory um, is that Kyburn comes in to tell Bronn that Cersei wants both Jaime and Tyrion to be dead, and that Bronn is the one to do it, which is crazy because he loves both those men. Yeah, um, it's an interesting choice, and it's a very like um, latter period Cersei, Queen Cersei kind of choice to make yeah. too, because she's all about you know basically forcing people to make. Right. And so my theory is that I'm, I'm not sure Cersei did uh, instruct Kyburn to go tell Bronn to kill her brothers. I think maybe Kyburn is acting out on his own. Sort of like okay. the way that we saw Littlefinger sort of manipulating mm-hmm. family dynamics and manipulating mm-hmm. the people around him. I think Kyburn is now the hand of the queen. He might be acting out on his own because I I can see Cersei wanting Tyrion to be dead, although she had the chance and didn't kill him um, in the season seven finale. But yeah. I can never see her killing Jamie. Well, she also, you know, I mean, she also lied in the season seven finale where she said, yeah, we'll send troops, and then she has True no that. intention of doing so. I could see her telling Kyburn to kill Tyrion with a crossbow, mm-hmm. and he threw the Jamie in as a little bit True. of a Maybe. chaos element. That's true. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pi. People, Influences, and Experiences. Yes, it's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level, the who, what, when, where, and why you are, rather than 
what it is you do. Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. We just want to be really nosy. We want to get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. Right. And I have no friends, so for me, it's, you know. Trying like, to get them out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to <laughs> podcasts on. Yeah, podcast your, your, homecasts. Your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. Okay, so getting well, speaking back of to, dead characters, yes, uh, the crypt. There's a lot of parallels with um, the crypt beneath Winterfell. Yeah, in this episode and in the very first episode. Um, now, in the very first episode, Robert and Ned go down to the crypt to talk about Lyanna Stark. Lyanna right? Stark, and that uh, sort of rewatching the first episode again. Mm-hmm. It's incredible how they set up this thing that sort of seems tossed off. Like, oh yes. Robert Baratheon loved Ned Stark's sister, Lyanna. Right. Um, Robert's rebellion was sort of based on the fact that yeah, uh, Rhaegar not... took her, and, and then it's sort of not explored for the right. rest of the show until, of course, we learn the truth, which is that they are Jon Snow's parents, and we see it again yeah. in this episode. Well, it, it is interesting, and, you know, and John. John kind of the way he responds to Sam well telling him the mm-hmm. truth later in the episode is his first thought is well does that make my father a liar mm-hmm. and that's sort of an interesting retrospective look back on that because the way that Robert and Ned talk about it at the very beginning they don't really let on that this is a lie mm-hmm. like you and I wonder if the show changed tax later and originally they were that wasn't part of the original plan or well, if they deliberately were Robert uh, didn't know it. Robert never knew ah, Robert never knew he would have had that baby killed because it was the Targaryens right okay baby. and I think there is a shot where Ned is sort of in that first episode when they're in the crypt Ned is like yeah yeah totally like <laughs> totally must have messed up how that yeah all went definitely down. definitely um, which in retrospect now is clear that he he was hiding the secret for decades that makes sense and yeah. it casts a new light on their relationship mm-hmm. the two of them right. yeah right yeah Moving right along. (laughs) (laughs) But in this episode, also, um, we have a significant scene in the crypt, which I kind of tossed off referred to, Mm -hmm. where John's down in the crypt looking at the statue of Ned, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then here comes Samuel Tarley, who falls down on his way. And of course, poor Samuel Tarley. Yeah, like, did he trip him. on a bucket? Like, what is what is he getting into? I don't know, man. There? It's winter. There's always potholes in winter. We live in Chicago. We know this. <laughs> he tripped on a pothole. Yeah, stumbling around down there. <laughs> but he comes in to tell Jon Snow the truth that mm-hmm. you were talking about, that his mother is Lyanna Stark and his mm-hmm. father is Rhaegar Targaryen, mm-hmm. which makes him the rightful king of Westeros. And I know that he was really just processing this information and he hasn't really thought it through yet, but I thought I was a little struck by the fact that his reaction seems to be that he's the king again and not that he's having sex with his aunt. Yeah, you would think that he would be, oh, I'm a Targaryen. That means the woman I've been having sex with is my is aunt. a close relation. Yes. Uh, and you're right. He doesn't, he doesn't. He doesn't even seem to think that, or it's the secondary thought to his. Maybe know. maybe he just hasn't processed that thought yeah. yet. But Jon Snow is a little snow, slow on the uptake in this episode, where 
I, it has been established that only a Targaryen can ride a dragon. So just and the fact that he rode that dragon earlier, he should have picked up on that. But mm-hmm. like we said, he's, he's not always. Little, he's a little <laughs> slow. Me and um, and you saw some parallels. Speaking of Daenerys in like uh, the wedding procession mm-hmm. that she had in the first episode and the arrival procession at Winterfell this time. Totally. Like, what do you yeah. think about that? Um, the very first episode is when she gets married to mm-hmm. Khal Drogo. Mm-hmm. And there's this moment, um, she, she's putting away the eggs of the future dragons that she's been mm-hmm. gifted. And uh, she has to sort of walk through the Dothraki uh, mm-hmm. to join Khal Drogo on the horses. Mm-hmm. And she's just extremely uncertain and kind of afraid. She looks really nervous. Um, as she's walking through it and just juxtaposing that to the way she rides into Winterfell in this episode I think shows a really nice growth of that Mm -hmm. character she's gone from you know sort of someone who her brother was controlling setting up this marriage that she didn't want to enter and now she's doing everything on her own terms riding side by side with John and she's just very confident and queenly and like sitting up straight on that horse and it's not a direct maybe parallel um, but I think it does show how much she's grown over the last eight seasons. Yeah and on the other side you know we were talking about how Arya is in many ways still the same Arya but Sansa's changed a lot Yes, since the first episode where she was really I remember she was really just kind of starstruck by mm-hmm. seeing Jamie Lannister yeah. in the first episode and this time she's just like are you going to eat all my food? Because right. we had plans for this. There's also the, the sort of Joffrey angle where she, in that very first episode, she's very young and she's watching the Lannisters come in and uh, she sees Joffrey and she's like, oh, he's so handsome. And she's She could she, not care less now. Now, yeah, her and Tyrion meet back up, which is weird because they were married once. Um, and, and Yes, but he was... She was, she, she was has some sim- yes. yeah she has some like he fondness for him in a um, weird fucked up way and he mentions the purple wedding and, mm-hmm. he, and she's like well there were some good moments like she's talking mm-hmm. about Joffrey so she's uh, grown an extreme amount from being oh, definitely. sort of starry eyed over this uh, attractive. I don't know, teenager. It's te- well, teenage. Teens crushing on teens is yes, totally fine. totally fine. Uh, <laughs> and now she is glad that he's dead. She's Lady mm-hmm. of Winterfell. She's sort of an equal with Tyrion. Well, I would say she even gets one over on Tyrion at the end where she goes, where she is like, I can't believe you trusted anything that Cersei said. Oh, yeah, she knows. Yeah. Like, the whole audience knew that Cersei would never do that. Yeah. And Sansa's seemingly the only one who also knows that Cersei would never send troops north. Yes, to help there was fight. some very satisfying Sansa Stark content in yes. this episode, I felt like. And also later where Arya says, where Jon Snow says, Sansa thinks she's smarter than everybody else. And Arya says she's the smartest person I've ever met. It was mm-hmm. like... I, I felt very satisfied by that. Smarter than you, Jon Snow. Yeah. And, be, and because I am, you know, a nor- noted horror movie weirdo, I also very much enjoyed when the show turned into Hannibal for yes. a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and we had like a wall very of scary. spiral wall of body parts. Yes. Yes, and so a screaming zombie baby in the middle. That was uh, incredible. Talk us through what those body parts mean. Okay. So this is something that is... The show did not telegraph this, like, at all. And you kind of have to... Uh, it, uh, actually, you're the one that told me that is House Umber that they are in. I thought it was... When I watched the episode, I thought it was what was left of Eastwatch mm-hmm. by the Sea, but it's not. It's House Umber. And all the crows and the wildlings have made their way down from the wall to House Umber. 
and it is shot like a horror movie, and then you have the big horror movie reveal of the spiral. And this is actually another callback to the very, very beginning of the show, the very first episode of first scene of the first episode you have the uh is it uh, crows or wildlings it's crows. Yeah, yeah who are out um north of the wall and they find dead bodies laid mm-hmm. out in the snow and that one the key to that one is the scene in uh season seven where john and danny go into the caves at dragonstone and uh they're t- and they're looking at the um the kind of cave paintings mm-hmm. inside the cave. Mm-hmm. And at one point, Jon Snow says, what's that? And there's a a uh, circle with a line through it and a spiral, mm-hmm. like the one we saw made of, again, I'm going to say it, body parts <laughs> <laughs> on so the wall. It's, it's so metal. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and she says, oh, that's a symbol from the children of the forest. And so it's like a mystical symbol mm-hmm. to them. And so it might have something to do with the White Walkers. Regardless, I don't think the true meaning of the symbol is known at this time, but it is an ancient symbol that dates back to the pre-wall days. Mm-hmm. There's also, if you look closely at the new opening credits, mm-hmm. um, we come down from the wall with the hole in it, and there's a tile effect of the sort of white snow being flipped over I to a light that. blue tile, and the that tile path leads from the broken wall to um, the Umber household, mm-hmm. uh, which is the sort of closest house to the wall. Yes, yeah, the so furthest north. Right? I think yes, and so that's kind of showing in the opening credits the White Walkers' progression. Like they've reached this far south of the wall, and it's only a matter of time before they get mm-hmm. to Winterfell. And they're going to be metal as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's one more parallel that mm-hmm. we found, and this one it's really interesting because. Uh, we talked about the boy climbing the tree, mm-hmm. and that starts the episode. And this is a bookend at the end of the mm-hmm. episode. Now, Bran has just been sitting around. I saw somebody on Twitter call him a messy bitch who lives <laughs> for drama, which I agree with because he let everyone come to Winterfell with all knowing all of this, and he yeah. didn't tell. He let them all get there before <laughs> he told anybody. He's just gonna blow up this party. Um, so Bran's sitting there in the uh, courtyard of Winterfell for most of the episode, just kind of sitting there staring at people and waiting for them to come up to him for mystical advice. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's just kind of chills out in the courtyard all day. Um, and But it pays off for him at the very end of the episode when Jamie Lannister arrives at Winterfell and there's Bran yeah. sitting in his spot waiting. And that's a nice mic drop for that episode because it's also the way the very first episode of the show ends is with Jamie shoving Bran mm-hmm. out the window. Yeah. Uh, so it's a real full circle moment for the show. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, not, well, that uh, moment I remember watching the very first episode and being like, "Oh wow, they will do anything on this mm-hmm. show." And but this one, they hold off the satisfaction. We have to wait and see what Bran's going to do to Jamie Lannister or yeah. maybe Arya. And like everything in this show, uh, we are seeing the consequences of Mm -hmm. these actions that these characters do. It might take eight seasons to get there, Mm -hmm. but there are consequences for pushing a little boy out a window. (laughs) Finally. (laughs) So I think we can end it there. That's uh, all we have. Maybe there's more things that our viewers have found paralleling this episode. We'd love to hear that. Love to see that. Um, So Katie, what do you think is going to happen Like, where do you think this season is going? I think it's really interesting that a lot of the locations have been burned to the ground by now. And so Mm. basically all we have left is uh, Winterfell and King's Landing. Like, Mm. everywhere else has been destroyed, basically. 
or so, or, the, or the the people running the houses have been killed. Or, yeah, right. there's no reason to set a scene there. Right at this point, it does seem like Winterfell is going to be where much of the action is. I, I assume that's where the fight with the army of the dead is going to be. Daenerys says as much in the, the episode. The set, the the expense that they're going <laughs> to make this set for Winterfell is. It must be astronomical. Yes, so of they're course, gonna get yeah. some good use out of it. Yeah, and the, there was that shot of the dragon flying over Winterfell mm-hmm. this episode, which I thought was cool in a nerdy kind of way because I was like, Oh, well there's the layout. You can yep. really see the Just layout. Just like the map in the opening credits. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's what that that's everything that we found in the first episode of season eight of Game of Thrones. It takes you all the way back to season one, episode one. It'll be interesting to see how all these threads come together in the end. Obviously everyone's Dying to know. Interesting's kind of an understatement, but we'll be back next week with uh, Breaking Down Episode 2. Yep. Bye. Yeah. Bye.